want apple juice. Lucas wants apple juice. I know, I heard him can say I that. Can I have apple juice? Yeah, you can have apple juice. Can I have soda? Yes, you can have soda. Can I press that button? No, you can't press that button. Why? Because that's going to play the theme song. I'm not ready to start Click. the pot. What is up, guys? James Gutman here on High Pod. I'm Dad. I want to welcome you back to the show every Friday. It is January. It is January 8th already. So good. We're already making our way through the year. Um, is it better than last year? Hopefully. Uh, it's getting off to a tricky start, but we are doing well. Thank you guys for finding me once again here, wherever you found me, whether it's HighPodOnDad.com or whether it's Audible or Amazon or Google or Spotify or any of that stuff, wherever you find your podcast, if you found me, I really do appreciate it. Give a like, give a subscribe, give a rating, a review, all that stuff. And if you get a chance, go over to Amazon, give a rating, give a review, give a, a buy to uh, my book, The Expectant Father's Activity Book. That is uh, that is up there on Amazon. Doing well, fun, informative, all that good stuff. Yeah. It'll make you happy. We like to be happy, right? Are you happy? Seriously, are you happy? And it's it's such a loaded question that's not supposed to be a loaded question. This whole idea of whether we're happy or whether we're not happy. I have always remembered this comic that I read a few years ago when I was at a point, and I've had ups and downs, and I was not happy when I read this this comic. That's one of my favorite ones. It was just a, like a four-box comic, and the, this little character, they didn't even have like real characters in it. It wasn't like a bunny and, a, and an elephant or anything. It was just like these blobs of character. And one character goes, are you happy? And the other character goes, well, I guess it would depend on what you mean by happy. Uh, I guess you could say, perhaps, if you look at it this way or whatever, and the other character, there's like a blanks, you know, a, a box where nobody's reacting at all. And then the last box, he just goes, people who are really happy don't require that much of an explanation. That stuck with me for a long time because you can't really explain sometimes what happiness would mean for you. You don't know what it is. And I think for a lot of people, you know that it's just not this. (laughs) There's a lot of that. Like, what do you want to do? Not this. Like that whole idea of, you know, I don't know what I want, but it's not whatever is making me unhappy now. And I think a lot of people struggle with that. A lot of people deal with that. I've been asked that. And I think we always qualify, especially as parents, our answers with some sort of you know, thing about our kids, some sort of altruistic, wonderful, look how good I am, virtue signaling that we do. Somebody goes, are you happy? And you go, my kids are happy. And if my kids are happy, then I'm happy. What the hell does that mean? That's not... I mean, you'll be happy if they're, yeah, that's good. That's not what I'm asking you, though, specifically. I wasn't like, would it make you happy if your kids are happy? That's a separate question, you know? Are you hungry is different than, like, do you enjoy eating ice cream? It's like, well, I'm hungry because I see ice cream. I enjoy eating ice cream, so it must be like, no. Are you happy? And I myself did that, too. I would always be, like, you know, explaining, like, for an hour. Well, you know, I, the way I see it, when you're kids, what's happy, right? And then you're, like, get older, and you're happy. You're a little happy. Sometimes I'm happy. We got, I'm going to move today. I'm going to move today. Nothing wrong with me today. It's always some sort of, like, chop, 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 chop response. At the end of the day, are you happy? Right now, in this moment, 
listening to this, being you, are you happy? It's such a rough question. And I find that I can say this to a wide audience and be able to connect to a great number of people because I think a lot of people all experience the same thing. And we don't like to talk about it. We fear. If you say to somebody, you know, I'm just not happy right now. And they start thinking, oh, is this person have depression? Is this person sad? Is this person unhappy at home? Is there abuse? They start putting together all the reasons that it possibly can be why you're unhappy. And at the end of the day, sometimes we're just unhappy. Sometimes it just is, you know, and they feel it too. And even if you go up to somebody and you're miserable, right? Let's say you're like really behind the scenes, just like, oh, I hate everything. And your friend is just like, you know, I just haven't been happy lately. Like, what's the matter? Do you sleep? Do you get enough sleep? Do you know? All of a sudden we start to become these like psychologists trying to analyze why this person must be unhappy. Like, what are you doing? You're a little upset. You're worried about Billy starting school. Like, there's always all these different things that we latch on to. But for some people... They're just unhappy. And I think what's funny is that we know that as we're asking these questions, as you're dealing with it yourself, you always try to put reasons on everybody else's struggle. I don't know. I'll tell you this. I've talked recently about my heart surgery in 2012, which is, it's so bizarre to say, but kind of almost a forgotten footnote in my history, which I like in a way, I'm a little bugged out by that in a way. I think it's a major thing. As you guys know, if you haven't listened to this before, I had a quintuple bypass when I was 35 had no prior health issues, and just one day, just found out heart attack. I did a podcast on it. I did a you know blog on it. The first podcast that I did here was about that whole story of how that led into. Because what ended up happening was because of that heart surgery in 2012, I changed my way of thinking about almost everything from my own health, uh, both mentally and physically, to my kids, to especially my son who's non-verbally has autism, and that was kind of a tough pill to swallow. In 2012, 2013, it started getting easier. And it wasn't immediate either. I'll tell you that. A lot of the changes that I made following my surgery were an evolution. There's stories about people who have heart surgery and come out of it angry and mad. I remember, I don't know how true this was, but I remember the first time I heard about it was in probably uh, year 12, you know, 2012, was it maybe? When Obama was running against Hillary Clinton in the primaries, which would have been 2012. And I remember Bill Clinton had come out saying all these things about Obama. And the press started saying it could be because he recently had a quintuple bypass. And sometimes when you have surgery like that, it really messes with your head and it makes you angrier than you normally are. So I remember hearing about that. And I remember that kind of happening to me. There was definitely a time period following my surgery where I was a little, I don't know, on edge. Personally, I was going through this existential crisis stuff. You know, like you come out of a situation like that and you start viewing the world differently. You look at it like, uh, you know, a different, I always talk about different timelines, maybe you're on a different timeline. You start looking at things as almost like silly things that you used to think were so important. They're still important to you, but not at the level they were before. And that changes things around a little bit. You see who was there, who wasn't there for you. You start reprioritizing your life based on who was around. All those things I did. And for years following my surgery, I kind of worked to get back to where I want to be. And I'm still evolving today. I'm still moving forward and figuring out what I deserve, what I should be doing, what I shouldn't be doing. But I remember when I had the surgery, the thing that I thought of the most were all the times I enjoyed in life. I started thinking about just wanting to be home and happy and not being mad about things that were happening when I was at home. That was my thing. Because what really got me wasn't the times where I was unhappy about reasons I had to be unhappy at home. Like I, I Granted, I didn't dwell on past problems, but I definitely 
you know, I would think about things that upset me before. And sometimes you kind of have to deal with them and roll with them. And sometimes you don't. But I also thought about the times where I was just angrier than I needed to be. I thought about how silly it was to be mad at a pumpkin patch. Get mad at pumpkin patches. You know, all of a sudden something happens, none of wagons or something. Goddamn wagon. And you're like yelling and I don't know. I had rough times at pumpkin patches. I think we've all had tough times at the proverbial pumpkin patch. Now and then, and I remember when I went to the surgery, I thought back on that and I felt so stupid because in that moment, I would have given anything to be at that pumpkin patch. Then on top of it, when you go through something like that, and it's not, you know, I know other people have had, you know, near death experiences much closer than I have, things like that. But what I thought about was I started attributing all those memories to the last ones I'm ever going to have. So I'm sitting there in the hospital thinking to myself, well, I'm, I'm never going on pumpkin patch again. That's it. You know, that was my last pumpkin patch memory and it's miserable. So I think about your house. I think about all these places that you were just in like an hour ago and you're like, I'm never going to see that again. I'm never going to see it again. And you come to grips with that, you, kinda, you know, come to terms with all these things. All I wanted to do was go back. If I had gone back, I would have been happy. And when I got home, I was happy. One of the first things I did when I got home from the hospital was I laid on the couch with Olivia and we watched Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer on television. I hadn't seen that since I was a kid. And I remember... I remember it was cold out. It was nice in the house or whatever, but I was all bundled up. My chest was it was bad in the beginning. The the time period after my surgery, they tell you to be very careful. You know, I mean, obviously my chest got cracked open, all that stuff. But I always I keep telling people it was like there was a bag of of glass, like shards of glass in a bag in my chest. And whenever I moved, I always worried that it was going to like, I don't know, grind together or whatever. And I would feel it sometimes. I would feel kind of like this weird feeling. It was hard to roll over. I worried about it. Um, that I think was most of the most of the pain. I don't know what anybody else deals with, but I'm sure it hurt at the time too. But it wasn't so much a physical pain, but it was that that fear that I was going to seriously damage myself if I like went up on one elbow and pushed myself up to sit up. So I'm like I'm teetering around like a top. It was hard, but I remember laying on that couch, kind of like laying down. Olivia was laying on me, but not on my chest. Like it was on my stomach and we were watching Rudolph. And I remember happiness. Honestly, I remember that being happiness, being home, feeling good, being showered, cleaned up. I had, you know, I'd been in the hospital. I'm like a big, I'm a pretty big shower nut. I like to shower like at least every day. So to not be able to shower that much in the hospital was a big deal. I was like at home, I cleaned up, I'm wearing like clean clothes. I felt great. I felt fantastic. I said, I don't know. I'll always remember that, that moment as happiness. It didn't cost anything. It doesn't even require an explanation. Were you happy doing that? Yeah. Well, what'd you do? Watch Rudolph with my kid. And people understand that. They hear that and they're like, oh yeah. They might not understand the level. Like that was a really happy moment, but it was, for me, it was everything surrounding what that moment was. Knowing that she was watching and she was enjoying it. It was good. There was a lot of moments wrapped into that. So as I go forward, I want to be happy. You should want to be happy. We all should want to be happy. One of the things that I I did learn is that we all deserve everything. There's no reason why somebody else should get what we want that we don't get. Granted, certain things need to be earned, right? So, Jeff Bezos, I don't know. Dude's got a ton of money. I never would have thought to buy a shopping website and call it Amazon. I never understood what that was when it first came out. I always think back to when I was in uh, my, my college days. I worked for a telemarketing company. I worked for a lot of telemarketing companies, my forgiveness. And it was um, it was a who's who book. And what we were doing is we were calling these executives on the phone. We were interviewing them. And then we were offering them to buy the book that they'd be featured in. It was all a big work. And there was this one girl 
I forget her name. I could still see her face though. She sat at the desk in front of me. She was like the, the, the kiss up of the, the telemarketing office. And she would call and she would do her scripts word for word. Like we would always do them kind of wing them. Hey, how are you? This is Jake. I'm calling from, you know, who's who? I'm just calling. I ask you a few questions. You got some time? All right. Excellent. Excellent. That kind of thing that we would do. This girl would read her some of the script word for word, but she sounded like an operator. And I remember she would always get to this one part in the script and she would go, once your interview is done and you are published in our publication, your book will be available in the Library of Congress and at www.amazon.com. Are you familiar with that bookstore? Excellent. This was like 1999, 2000, like right when Amazon was barely a thing. And I remember thinking like, Amazon? Why would they call a bookstore Amazon? Like the plate, like the jungle, like the rainforest of the Amazon? That's ridiculous. 20 years later, Jeff Bezos. No idea. I never would have been able to do it. Can't do it. Sorry. In that sense, you have to earn that type of uh, achievements in life. But certain other things in life you don't have to earn. You don't have to earn being happy. You don't have to earn being content. You don't have to earn enjoying your days and doing what you want to do, no matter what. You could always find a way to kind of sneak away and do that. Now, I know to say something like that out loud sounds ridiculous because certain people are in bad situations. Certain people are in bad places. Certain people could turn to me and go, I can't do that right now. I have to deal with this. I have to deal with that. Or I have all these issues. It might not happen tomorrow. It might take a long time. But eventually, I feel like all of our goals in life should be to be happy, whether it's professionally, personally, emotionally. What else are you here for? That's what got me when I was in the hospital. What if this is it? All we know for sure is you're born and you die. And there's a time period in between. This might be your only time period. You should enjoy every minute of it that you can because there's nothing guaranteed after it. And while you're doing that, you should make sure that you don't impede on anyone else's right to enjoy every minute that they can because that might be the only time they get to deal with it. That's all we have. And everything we should do should be to be happy. Eventually, in every way, be happy with your life. And the moments that we spend not doing that are almost like a waste of time because everything's supposed to go back to that. Why do you want money so you could be happy? Why do you want family so you could be happy? We say other things to it. Well, I want to make sure that, you know, I, I get this insurance, but, you know, I just want to make sure my family's taken care of. Why? Well, I'll feel better. I wouldn't be worried. Well, what, how, what do you, how do you feel if you're not worried? I feel happy. Well, there you go, dude. You're done. Happy. It's all happy. All the things that we do in life that we try to earn and create and be is to get to that end. And once you recognize that, you start to live your life that way. You start to go after goals that are going to make you happy. And guess what? If those goals make you happy, then you're good at it. And if you're good at it, well, then that's probably the best thing for you to be chasing. If you love, you know, skiing more than anything else in the world, and you hate like finance, and then you get into the financial field and you half-ass it because you don't even like it, you're not going to make as much as you would. But let's say you're a skiing prodigy. Go be a ski expert, you know, use what you love, go out there and do it. Be successful. Even if you don't earn billions of dollars at the end of the day, you're happy. You live every day the way you want to live it. That's what we should all do. So yeah, I, I'm a big proponent of happy. I'm, uh, I'm trying guys. I'm, <laughs> I'm really trying. I got through the holidays. I think I did a good job. Sometimes I get a little back and forth and you could tell from my writing, but this year I think I try to I kind of kept myself in a good space and it felt really good. So hopefully you're happy. I want you to be happy. We should all be happy. Uh, I know I certainly am.
Of course, this flies in the face of what I wrote on Monday for HiBlogOmDad.com. I've been there since February 2017. I've been writing for years, twice a week, Monday, Wednesday, new blogs. On Monday, I wrote one. The title of Fool You, it's called uh, Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Dad Day. You like that? little little pun there in the, the tail end, a little dad joke, if you will. A lot of the, you know, basically the, the entire name of the site is a, is a dad joke anyway. You know, dad, I'm hungry. Hi, hungry, I'm dad. So I did the high blog, I'm dad. So you're going to get some puns in there once in a while. I love that book as a kid, by the way, Alexander and his terrible, horrible day. I feel like we read that so much in school. It was like the, the number one book of school. But that was more tongue in cheek. Honestly, if you read through it, it's not a genuinely bad day. It's just a story of just like craziness that goes on in my house and that that feeling. And I, I have days like that where like you feel like everything's closing in on you. But at the same time, there's a, I don't know, there's a fun feeling of it. And right in the middle of it all, my daughter always FaceTimes me with the cat. All of a sudden, I pick up and I just see like a cat face staring at me. I'm like, hello. She's like, say hi, Tipsy. Look, Tipsy. Hi, Tipsy. I'm like, hey, Tipsy. How are you? And actually, I know I'm talking to my cat on the, on the FaceTime, which... It definitely lifts my day up a little bit. Uh, but between that, you know, my son gets up mad early. You know, having a nonverbal child with autism, he gets up when he gets up, and that's it. And I can't explain to him time. I can't show him the clock in his head. He's just like, oh, I woke up. Let's do this. And he gets settled into certain times. And he woke up at 4.45 about, uh, about two weeks ago, and that has been his morning wake up. And he wants his iPad. He wants to play with his iPad and jump around and scream. And I don't want to give it to him on school days because if he has the iPad for three hours and then we put him on a bus, he's going to lose his mind. They're going to call from school. It's going to be a whole thing. So I don't do that. But he stays up at 445 and he throws stuff out of his room and it happens every 10 minutes and I can't explain it to him. I can't like threaten him. I can't be like, don't you dare do that. He'll just do it again in like 30 seconds and then look at me like with a face like, what, what? You just got to deal with it. And it was one of those days that I went through. I try to write it. Uh, definitely a little humorous, you know, definitely not a, a terrible harm, but it was, it was definitely one of those moments. I said, when my hair hurts, you guys ever have that? It feels like every nerve ending in your body is on edge. And I definitely, I feel it from like in my head, right down my follicles, just a lot of, uh, a lot of pain and a lot of, um, just an overwhelming feeling sometimes we go through, but I survived it. I'm good. I wrote about it. I lived to, to write another day. So we're happy on Wednesday. I wrote about, uh, well, my kids and how kind of gross they are with food uh, called Why We Can't Have Nice Things. And this one pretty much talked about both of them. Talked about my daughter and her inability to keep ice cream in a bowl, have it go on the on the floor, on the blankets. My favorite part is that not only that she does it, she'll get like crumbs. She'll come in, we'll have like sour gummies. Her and I are big gummy fans. She comes in, we have sour gummies. All of a sudden, all the sugar from the bag, you know, the, the sour sugar falls out of the bag onto the ottoman in my office, right? So like, it's all over the ottoman. I'm like, Olivia. And she looks down, she goes, oh. And I swear to God, she takes her hand and she just goes, whoo, whoo, like starts swiping it off like Mr. Miyagi, just throwing sugar candy, sour candy all over the place, just all over the floor. I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm cleaning it. I'm like, you're not cleaning it. You're getting it. Every- what are you doing? That's what she does. She just rubs it in, rubs it off, just throws out whatever, whatever fell on the floor, kind of gets rubbed into the floor and then it's gone for her. So I got that. And then of course, yeah, my son who, I don't know how he does it. He just eats like just food goes flying in the air and he has whole pieces of stuff under his chair. Like I'll cut up his pizza into little, little tiny pieces and underneath his chair will be like four pieces of pizza at the end. I go, what are you doing? So I try to be the dad with him. I try to teach him to throw it out and he's good. 
Lucas will throw things out. If you point to a piece of garbage, like, give me that, and he'll give it to you. He'll go over to the garbage. I open it up. He'll throw it in. Puts his dish in the sink. I've taught him all those things, and it's great. Problem is communicating that that's what you want him to do with it and to get past his desire just to eat everything because Lucas is a big eater. So I'll turn to him, and, and I'll say, Lucas, what are you doing? Look, what are you doing? There's food all over the floor. Get up. Get up. Get up. He'll get up, and he'll look at me. I go, I point to him. I go, give me that. Give me that like that. I make the kind of this like chomping noise with my hands, this chomping uh, motion, like a Muppet. That means give me. So I'll be like, give me that. Give me that. And he'll look over at me and I'll pick up the piece of pizza and he'll eat it. And I will freak out. I go, oh my God, dude, come on. No, no. Eats everything. It's really gross. So eating with these kids, food everywhere, whether it's a restaurant, whether it's a, especially at home, it definitely gets kind of, kind of messy. We had this rule, no food on the couch. Uh, then the kids started growing up, and now it's just like, oh, what'd you get on the couch? That's pretty much what it's turned into. That's the new rule of the couch. But I don't know. You take what you will. At the end of the day, you know what? It'll make me happy to have a clean couch, but it makes me happier to have a happy family. So happy, happy. That's all it's really, <laughs> it's really the, the motto of the day. So yeah, thank you. I want to thank you guys for letting me do this. I think at the end of the day, nothing makes me happier. Than being able to do this blog, being able to do the podcast, and being able to have this outlet with you guys. I know I've thanked you before and I've talked about it before, but it's really so important. I spent years writing about pro wrestling, writing about a subject that I loved as a kid. I love as an adult. I still watch it once in a while, but it was definitely not something that I enjoyed commenting on anymore. And long after I'd kind of lost that passion, I still continued to do it. And I still continue to, you know, for a few years, talk about it and try to find other avenues of which to write when I was on there. And I remember I liked it. I like writing. I like wrestling, things like that. But there was just something missing. I love what I'm doing now. I love writing about my kids. I love sharing them with you guys. I love hearing about your kids and how things compare. I love being able to explain things, talk about my life, talk about, you know, the people that I care about. And it means a lot to me. And that makes me happy. And that's something that I'm glad I'm doing now. I wish I had done you know, eons ago. But right now I am. I'm doing it and it makes me very happy. And it, honestly, I mean, you guys are a huge part of that. So thank you so much for that opportunity to talk today on the podcast. Thank you for all the opportunities to write for you. I hope I've done you proud. I will continue to try to do my best to put out the best content I can for everybody listening and reading. It means a lot to me. Thank you. You guys make me happy. Until next time, this is James Gutman saying, be well. Bye-bye.